Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Nightmares Podcast. Hope everyone's doing well today. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about all things horror, comics, video games. You know the fucking drill by now. Uh, today with me, we got Mark, the Italian job Conway. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Okay. Uh, over on sound and uh, switchboard, we got Brandon and Colin again. How y'all doing? Pretty good, thanks. Cool. And then, uh, once again, we have a guest today, and uh, it's our good old friend Rob Benny from Cucurbitophobia. Did I pronounce hey. that correctly? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Spot okay. on. Thank God. We finally got enough practice. <laughs> this is part three for Rob. Go. Yeah. The, uh, uh, how's it going, man? How's everything been going? Uh, things are going great. I just wrapped up and released my new album three weeks ago, Nexus Insidious. Mm -hmm. And it's doing really well, picking up well on all digital streaming services. You know, it's been selling some CDs and vinyls along the way as well. And it's definitely, you know, out there circulating for a few reviews from a few magazines in Europe. So we'll see what happens in the next few months when they unfold. Yeah, this was a, this was an interesting album. Very different and unique from your previous ones, especially the first track. I uh, forgot what it was called, but there was a lot of guitar riffs in that one. And it was also uh, Nexus Insidious. It was 17 minutes long. That's a long track. And it, it's really good. So... What made you decide you wanted, like, so what was the process for making a track that long? And also, did you do the guitar riffs for that one? Because I, I, yep, I did, I did all the guitars on that. Yeah, that know, was really I, good, man. Well, thanks. Primarily, you know, I've been playing guitar and piano on and off for a long time. And, you know, ever since I've started Cucurbitophobia, I've been focusing a lot on horror and dark ambient and dark classical genres. But uh, I've always had a love for metal. But, uh, not so much was ever really good at writing traditional metal songs, but, you know, drawing influences from like death metal and black metal from the 80s and 90s, you know, I started to come up with these riffs and just came up with something more energetic and heavy. So I decided to, you know, draw that influence and also take an industrial influence from groups like Godflesh and Ministry and incorporate that into the sound as well. You know, it doesn't quite sound like any of the bands I've mentioned and, or any of the genres particularly, but I wanted to incorporate that and make one really long track with like a progressive framework, but without sounding too prog, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember early on in the year, you said you weren't going to do uh, much personal work or release any albums in the year. So what changed uh, from the beginning of the year to now? Good question. I mean, a lot changed. I mean, I was at a point where I was focusing a lot of personal work in my life, a lot of uh, employment opportunities picked up and fell in my lap. And uh, just it just so happened that over time, I just found myself making time in the free time that I had, like writing and recording. You know, in a lot of free time in the past few months, I would just spend more time promoting or trying to make press kits or trying to make contacts and follow people on Twitter or Instagram and uh, try to make connections. But this time around, I said, with the time that I'm spending networking, I could just spend some time creating just to blow off some steam and let out some of these ideas that are building up inside. So once I purge them, then I could go on to something else or focus on other important matters that aren't, you know, inhibiting my daily activities or my, you know, current responsibilities. Yeah. All right, well, that's great. Um, now to move on to this next point. Um, I, I got to say, this was really awesome. Uh, two of the tracks from episode four are on this album. And owning a, it just owning a physical copy of just music media that was in a, a, a short film or any film, it was so awesome. 
No, that, that that's fantastic. And yeah. I'm, I'm, so I mean, it's the um, for for those who have not been paying attention on the Nightmares podcast, Rob um, did the score for our episode four of Living Nightmares. Um, uh, the uh, which was tremendous. Um, uh, you yeah, um, you made me look good. Um, <laughs> so I, I I appreciate that. You made me look a lot a lot scarier than I actually was. Um, uh, the um, but uh, but yeah, it was awesome. And and there wasn't a a single person that. Um, you know, that I, I asked quite a few people, the, I was like, well, what'd you think of the score? And, and they're like, oh, just, just, just everything about it just made, I was there. The, I think the best compliment I got was somebody said, I was there. I was with Mark. I was with you. Um, and all the atmosphere and the sounds and the, the sound engineering and the score just put me in that situation. And it, it was really, really cool to see this. And it's even cooler to, you know, it's kind of cool, man, because we're kind of, you know, you're a little bit, you're, you're a little bit ahead of us, but it's kind of cool to watch us all, you know, come up over the years since we first had the interview with us and, and watch all of us develop at the same time and kind of grow together. And now we finally had an opportunity um, that it made sense for you to be involved with the project and to work with, with us on this was, you know, a, a gift. Um, uh, it, it was a gift. The, um, uh, we're, we're very lucky to have really good people upon us. You know, we're the four of us are pretty talented, but we're not as talented as the people around us, and that's on purpose. Um, uh, the, we surround ourselves with the with the best possible people we can. So it was really really cool to have that, and just elevated our work to just that much better, um, just by your addition to to the short. So it's really really cool, um, and I want to get some. I you know I want to hear kind of you know the process that you and Zach went through to kind of create this and you know i don't know i don't know much of the history so you know i would love to hear more about the history about the score because we didn't really talk about it in the wrap-up for episode four we were waiting for you so i definitely want to hear some more about the you know about the process well zach approached me in about what was it january or february i I don't remember the exact date but i know it was around that time yeah more towards the middle or end of january if i remember correctly yeah, and, and, I, and he approached me with the opportunity that they were uh, putting together a horror short, and I was floored when he uh, asked me if I wanted to score the the uh, thing because I have never, uh, I mean, I've done some scores for my other friend NJ Movie Freak Stephen Meitzler, who was also with me at the uh, NJ Horror Con that you met, and uh, I've scored his uh, documentaries, uh, East Coast Thrills One, East Coast Thrills Two, and his upcoming film Ashore Thrill, which is due to be out this year or next year um don't know the exact date but more details will unfold as the year goes on but uh i've never actually scored anything truly horror related in terms of a horror film and uh you know whether it's a short film an indie film or a big budget film i'm i'm all about just getting music into the horror genre into a film and this was a incredible experience for me to to try because it's a very new experience you know just making an album alone is very different than watching a film with no audio and interpreting how it sounds with how you put music to it. So I had to watch it maybe four or five times before ideas started swirling and really started to unfold. I didn't want to just take what instantly came because sometimes you'd have a good idea that just comes at first, but after a second or third uh, run through, you might try something different, something more scary, something more 
as you said before, in the moment. And that's exactly what I wanted to go for when I started putting the music together. I started sending uh, a few rough copies to Zach, and he suggested a few changes and alterations along the way, which, you know, I'm always welcome to because, you know, like my perception might be different than another person's perception of what might sound better. So, you know, I think it's good to always be open-minded and, you know, take from others' advice and draw from others' um, insight on what might sound more appropriate for a certain scene. You know, you know, omit this piano part or, you know, accentuate that drum part or bring up the guitars more in this section, you know, etc. But in the end, I was really pleased with the way everything came together. <clears throat> and once it was finally released, I showed a bunch of people myself and they were impressed with everything. You know, the feedback that I got was overwhelming. And it's, uh, I'm just very proud of all of us for working together on this and putting out something, you know, that we, you know, just started as an idea and then grew into something tangible. Yeah. For me, this was my first time ever working with a composer, so I was like, all right, this is going to be, you know, interesting and awesome, and it was a great experience. It was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be, because I, I wasn't sure the process it would take to, you know, like, send, um, you know, send the recording, send the music over and, like, put it in. I wasn't sure if I'd have to send a premiere file or anything like that, so all this was new, and I was, it was just so much simpler than I ever thought it was going to be, and it was a great process. It was a fun, and I loved the end product. It, it just turned out so amazing, and I was like, holy crap, this is so fucking awesome. I can't believe this. <laughs> and also just not having to sip through, like, uh, audio blocks or uh, first com for music, like, actually getting an original score, was just, it just felt like such an up for me, for everyone. It, it's new. It's another step forward in our just career paths, and I, I loved it. It was amazing. It was awesome and mind-blowing at the same time. And then, like I said... Getting it on vinyl was so fucking cool. Yeah, I, you know, and the funny thing is too is you know if you get a chance, uh, Rob, um, uh, go ahead and watch the uh, the recap of episode four, which tell a bunch of wild stories about episode four. And you know, nice. one of, hey, one of the things too is that we kind of had a split down the middle of our you know vendors and support. You know, one like there was no in between. It was either they were fantastic or they were not fantastic. And, 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 and it was an absolute pleasure that you were nothing but accommodating and nothing but professional and talented and brought this amazing, you know, energy to it and, you know, this, this whole kind of vibe to it, the atmosphere. It was really, really cool to, to see that. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, though, it's, I tell, there's just some people in our crew that we, you know, in our event, some of our vendors and people that we work with that, you know, we, we just go, it's a second thought because we already know it's going to be awesome. The, um, and we already know it's going to yeah. be easy to work with. So um, uh, it, that, that episode was quite the adventure, and I'm so glad that that there, you know, it was, a, you know, like Zach said, a very easy process, and the end result was tremendous. Um, and I'm and I'm so yes. glad that so many people got good feedback. That's cool, though. Thank you for sharing um, uh, the work around. You know, we really appreciate it. I know it was a hell of an experience, to say the least. No, absolutely, absolutely agreed. And that that's the thing, you know, sharing the work and getting it out there. I think. <clears throat> In any capacity is the most important thing. I mean, that's the big part of, you know, working together with a crew or, you know, working together with a network or a composer or a, a designer. I mean, just so many things you can do. I mean, I'm never the type of person that just wants to get a gig and just show up for the gig, you know, and just show up and collect the money and leave or show up and just put my name on something and leave. You know, I want to network the project, network the group and get it out there. I mean, I feel like since I'm a part of this, I want to actually you know, promote it and expose it to a, a new audience for people who may not have heard of you or people who have not heard of me. I think it's just a win-win situation for everyone. And 
you know, I think that's what the horror community in general is missing. You know, you have a lot of, you know, people who are just all about themselves in such a toxic way that it divides a lot of people and it just creates, you know, a very different atmosphere. And I've seen that atmosphere prevalent on, you know, a lot of forums and on Twitter and on a lot of social media sites where it's all just a piss contest to see who could, you know, just throw a bunch of shit out there as much as possible without actually, you know, networking in a more humanized form. Yeah, absolutely. it's always been a big pet peeve of mine. Like um, a lot of people in the industry, they talk about you need to get a feature. You need to get a feature. It doesn't matter if it's good. You just need to get a feature. And I, I hate that mentality because we have enough shitty features out there. We don't need another. Exactly. If, if you're going to make something, give it your all. Make it good. Make it entertaining. Yes. Like, don't just make it just to say, yeah, I did it. I mean, if you want to practice, sure, but. I mean, when it comes to a feature, that is a lot of time, hard work, and dedication that I'm assuming not just, yeah, not just you're putting in, but a bunch of people around you who are believing in the project. They're, they're going to give it their all. But if you're not, then what's the point? And on top of that, too, when you're doing a feature, um, a feature is something that you're, I, I assume you're making with the intention of selling. And if you sell it, a lot of people are going to see it. And so if you put out a crappy product, all these people who put their names on it, a lot more people are going to see that feature than they're going to see that short film. Um, a bad feature is way more damaging to a reputation, I think, than a bad short film for that reason. Agreed. Agreed. That, that's just it. That's exactly it. You know, you know, you could put out a, something big budget and throw a lot of money into something and just try to get it exposed. But if there's no quality behind it, 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 it just becomes a dud. And, you know, there's a lot of duds out there. And I don't want to mention names or down anybody in particular because art is also subjective. But you can tell when something is just a blatant dud. Like there are certain things out there that are just not good. And you kind of feel bad for the people that are involved in it because you want to see better and you want them to do better. But some people just don't have enough pride or have enough um, sense to, you know, take their time on something and, you know, put their heart and their energy and their mind into it. They just want to get it out there and they'll just throw everything into it, regardless of how it looks or how it sounds or how it, you know, drives a plot together. Yeah, Agreed. and that, it's really disappointing how that's such a big thing. I, I will say I don't think it's nearly as prevalent in the horror community as it is in other communities. Like I said, like everybody wants to make the next Oscar bait piece of precursor shit film where it's just by the books and it's just lazy, thrown together right. It's like oh god. I hate the that. well, here's the thing too <laughs> is that I think, and this is kind of interesting, you know, and we've I've had this discussion offline and online you know we're, we're trying to you know uh, change hearts and minds into into you know the next generation of filmmakers are trying to come out and and build outside of the system and you know and and i think sometimes people you know it's two things one um is that there's this next generation is trying to say hey we don't really need this system we can kind of do our own thing you know with other distribution systems youtube is becoming a prevalent force i mean i think that uh, shutter has is, uh, has opened up the door for that as well amazon certainly has but Amazon's a different story. Um, and then the other thing is, too, is that sometimes people, especially the big budget industry people, they like to overcomplicate this. And it actually goes back to what Brand, yes. Brand, Brandon says. And I have a business background. I'm a, I'm a sales guy and everything else. The film industry, it, it's 
really not that different. And, the, and people like to overcomplicate it in the industry. They're like, oh, it's so complicated, you can't understand it. No, you, you can. It, it, it's, it's literally a, you are doing a service to produce a product that has residual value. You're an angel investor every time you create this. However, the resources that you have will be strengthened every time you produce a product. It is literally no different than owning a, um, a retail store and you start out with one retail product um, you know, and, and then you open up the storefront, you start with one retail product, and that retail product will sit on the shelf until it's sold, and then you go in and you make another product, and you set it on the shelf, and then you wait till it's sold. There's nothing, I mean, yeah, it is a little bit more finite deals, details than that, and yes, I'm not trying to oversimplify our business, because there is some complications to it. However, it's not that complicated. It's no different than, you know, you got to approach it the same way that a, a plumbing business would approach their business, a retail store would approach their business. And just like Brandon said, you want to put out a good quality product because that's going to be your Google reviews, the same way that you would approach any product. And I think that, I think that if we get the word out to more of these filmmakers to say, hey, listen, it, it, it's, it's not that complicated. Like you, and again, going back to this whole thing, we have to create a feature. Why? Just because somebody said so, you know, rules are, are, are rules until somebody says, nah, that's stupid. I don't want to do that. The, um, uh, you know, and, and then, and then they, and then enough people go, yeah, yeah, I guess it is stupid. Um, I guess we, you know, that's really not that big a deal. Let's, let's just make a quality product, regardless if it's five minutes, a half an hour, 20 minutes, an hour. It doesn't matter as long as it's a quality product that, it, that will find an audience. Then as long as it finds an audience, we're fine. And guess what? If, if you're on the indie level and you spend a million dollars and you, and you go ahead and you get back two million, you've made a profit. And I'm and I'm including the marketing side of that too. And so they, they play that find the ball in the cup with the marketing budget. But you know, million dollars for everything. And then if you make two million dollars, you get a hundred percent a hundred percent profit back. There's nothing more complicated than that. They say a profit is a profit. Yeah. So um, before we deviate any further from the album. <laughs> I wanted to talk about uh, The Coven and The Faint Reflections because those are the two uh, songs that were on the track, but the versions you have on the, on the, in the album are actually extended versions with a little more like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Humph put into them, I guess. So what, made, so what made you decide you wanted to do that, like add more to them? Like what was your process for that? Well, I wanted to make it so that when you're watching the film, you're, you're getting the content that belongs with the film. When you're listening to the album, you're getting something different. Like when you listen to the album, you're not just getting a copycat of the score that's on the film. You're not getting um, something that is too much filler, but I wanted to make some ambience so it creates a more hypnotic state. For example, at the end of Coven, I wanted to make that minute and a half ambience sit with the listener so they can you know sit in that like a drone-like state and either be hypnotized or be mesmerized by the effects. As for the faint reflection, I added that uh, that dual piano section because I wanted to give it more like a, a piano that creeps in, like an apparition in a way. Whereas if someone you know looks and sees a reflection and either sees something beside the reflection or something that may not appear as what it really is in reality. So I wanted to create that sense of illusion as the piano crept in in a very eerie manner and then the dominant piano part came toward the end. It you know allowed it to just take the center of the front. So it's almost as if a person is getting sucked into a hallucination or into a, a dreamlike state. And once they're in that dream, they're sucked and they're hooked in. And then at the end, it just ends very quickly and fades out abruptly. So it isn't like the, the, the person in the story 
is in that situation for a very long time. Hence why it's only a two-minute work. Yeah. Still good, though. I mean, because the one in the film was about, oh, let's see. It, actually, no, it was about two minutes because uh, it starts a little towards the end of the film, and then the credits were about a minute long. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all great. So... Um, and then the last one on here is The Reckoning, and that one's very apocalyptic, I would call it. At least that's how I interpreted it. So what was your process for that one? Like, what, uh, where did that one come from? I wanted to make The Reckoning very different. I wanted to make it much more um, abstract. I wanted to make it as if you, you think of, think of like witchcraft or think of a satanic ritual occurring where something apocalyptic is going to happen at the end of times or something of that nature when, you know, someone is, you know, doing an evocation or an invocation and something very powerful and sinister arises from that as if like flames are rising and, you know, explosions are occurring and something very dark and, you know, diabolical is taking place in an alternate reality. I mean, you know, you, you look at it as fantasy or you can look at it as, you know, a reality hundreds of years from now, or you can look at it as imagination. But I wanted to leave it open to the listener to decide, you know, what they interpret as the reckoning is. I wanted to make it so that it wasn't, you know, with one specific meaning, but I wanted to make it, you know, as if I'm telling a story that the listener can draw their own conclusion to say, you know, this is what I draw from it. This is what I imagine occurring, but I wanted to make it as a unsettling as possible as if it you know just culminates into this very you know enigmatic state yeah I, I can absolutely see that like i could like i i was even visualizing like story elements like this one was very score like to me like i i could picture it going to like i said an apocalyptic epic even because it was also very epic at times at least that's me so yeah uh it was a great one um yeah. The um so you know the the big question I have for you too is you know if you obviously I'd love to hear about it is you know what's next, the uh, what's next for uh, for, hmm. for for Rob and you know and you know, I hope hopefully someday in the future you'll be sitting right here if we can ever get you out to Chicago, the um, uh, in the in the studio because you've certainly been here you know I gotta I gotta you know uh, my uh, my Nana's like the biggest Stephen King fan so I've been begging her to come on and when you come to town I gotta have you both in the same same studio because she's read every book. Um, and watched almost every movie, so um, I would love to get that heads up going um, with Stephen King eventually. Just a big no, Stephen King podcast. Um, oh, uh, uh, you know Stephen King parts uh, three, three, <laughs> part three for Stephen King. Go, yes. uh, you know, but you know, but I'm very curious on what you know. What's next for you, man? You know, what are you, what are you reaching for? And then you know, and then obviously, oh. hopefully, get you up to Chicago. Yeah, right. Well, right now I'm playing it by ear. I'm not really uh, setting a timeline or a deadline. I mean, I, I my ideal situation is to have a brand new full length out by the year of 2022 like um i'm my new process now is to try to make as many of my albums under 45 minutes and the reason is i want to offer my works on physical cd and vinyl and most vinyl pressings do not go over 44 minutes because hmm. each side is only about 22 minutes but the ideal length on each side of a vinyl is between 18 and 20 minutes to preserve optimal sound quality hmm. okay with that being said, I don't want to simply just have my music thrown on Spotify or thrown on Amazon. I want to also offer physical products to, you know, people out there who are much more, you know, you know, inclined to buy the CD or to buy the vinyl and to have something personal with artwork and, you know, with credits instead of just simply downloading. With that being said, I'm also aware that in the generation of digital streaming and downloading that I do have to make my options available to everyone on different platforms because there's different ways of obtaining income and also gaining new audiences by getting on Spotify playlists or 
growing a Bandcamp feed or by getting reviews on Amazon. So I try to offer, you know, albums between 40 minutes and 45 minutes. I had a few records in the past, Tapestries of Terror, all the way through Dies Furialis, where some albums would creep over the 60-minute mark. But a lot of listeners nowadays, especially younger, don't have the patience to sit through an album that's 60 minutes or longer, unless they're a dedicated fan of that that artist. You know, and, unless like their favorite Metallica album comes out or their favorite uh, Dream Theater album comes out or whatever, they're not going to sit and listen to a 70-minute album from someone who is brand new to their listening experience. So definitely want to create more options with shorter, more compact releases that are available in multiple formats. With that being said, on the creative spectrum, I definitely want to explore more of the uh, industrial atmospheric metal influence with more guitars on certain releases. I definitely want to add more guitars and still preserve the classical avant-garde piano compositions. So I still have the original audience while opening a new audience. As far as different releases, I may make another Solstice album that's more fantasy-based or more, uh, you know, something more brighter. So I have several options in the works for me. So it, it all depends on what I'm feeling at the moment, and it all depends on what comes first. And when whatever comes first, I usually just ride with it. And once it's done, then that's it. On to the next one. Yeah, you do a real good job with that. It just expanding your catalog of like. Um, emotions when it comes to music, uh, sounds, um, just uh, genres like you got horror. Then you got the Solstice one, which was just very beautiful. Like it, it was a really just nice, relaxing album to listen to. So, yeah, you do a real good job with that. And then now you're Thanks. going into guitar, which I fucking love. Keep doing that. That was awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I, I can't wait to see what you start with, what you do next, especially if you're going into more metal. Like, yeah, because fucking Slayer. Yeah, of oh yes, I, I love Slayer, and, and uh, that was a very that was a prominent influence on the album. Even though it's not the dominant influence, there was definitely a lot of Slayer and uh, '80s death with like the Chuck Schuldiner from the early '80s death, and uh, a little bit of Ministry, and uh, even like some Morbid Angel, like thrown in for good measure with some of the riffage. But you know, it's not going to attract all the fans because it doesn't have you know Cookie Monster vocals or it doesn't have any vocals. But at the same time, I'm not looking to go for vocals anyway. Unless something came along where I collaborated or did a remix on something, then I'm open to all options and opportunities. So, you know, there are no rules with Cucurbitophobia. It's just whatever comes and is under that umbrella while maintaining the integrity of the original intention, you know, to invoke fear, to inspire others to uh, use that fear for, uh, for beneficial change and for growth and for evolution. That's, that's awesome, man. Absolutely. Keep doing it the way you keep doing it. And make sure you enjoy it along the way. That's the best thing you can do. Hell yeah. Cool. The, um, and, go yeah. ahead. No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys have on the horizon next, too. Like, what's your next project and what story you're going for and uh, what, what types of horror you're going to go and what direction you're taking your next projects in. Uh, so, yeah, all I can really say is I'm trying to get a new narrative show off the ground for us because as much as I love doing Living Nightmares, it is a royal pain in the ass when it comes to cost. So my goal is to make something that's more cost efficient that we could shoot more on the fly and also keep, you know, the quality standards that we do for Living Nightmares. Because yeah, one of the course. things that I've grown yeah. most proud of with Living Nightmares is I do think it is a quality show. So, yeah. and I want to maintain that for narrative because we have a bunch of like, you know, we got Let's Play a Game coming back soon. We've got His Horror Fact <laughs> of the Day. 
Uh, he's doing Crypt Keeping again. Peace. That's coming back soon, thankfully. Yeah. So we got all these other shows, but those are like informal. And they're in, I want to do more narrative. Narrative is the thing that I'm more passionate about. So I yeah. want to bring as much narrative content to this channel as possible. And that is my main goal right now is making that a reality. Something that's either weekly or bi-weekly. Yeah. And I think the really nice. cool thing too, too, Rob, is, you know, I can kind of, I can kind of give this one away. Uh, with Living Nightmares, you know, uh, obviously we have one more episode. We're going to make this the, the season, um, this, it last, nice. this last episode. I won't give too much away about what it is, but the cool part about Next season with Zach, you know, exploring other narratives, we're going to have other directors come in. You know, um, I know nice. there's an episode that Brandon wants to direct. There's an episode that I want to. Uh, we have a few other people that are in our network um, that want to come out and direct. Um, so it's kind of cool. We're going to keep that, the, the Living Nightmares, you know, train hopping along while introducing nice. new narrative content. Because Zach's right. The narrative content is, is, is where it's at. And I think we have a lot of opportunity to create really, really cool stuff and, you know, we just had a, a special meeting recently talking about the next five years. So we, we already we already we're already talking about it. We already know where we want to take it and what we want to do with it. So it's um, get prepared for more uh, calls from us to, to score more stuff. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, I just know I know this year has been a year where it's a hectic year. I know I've got a lot on my plate planning for a wedding, which is I'm super excited for and you know, taking new job opportunities at my other job where I'm directing bands shows. I can't name the names of the places for personal privacy reasons, but, you know, it is, uh, you know, gaining more income and allowing me to have a stabilized schedule. With that said, next year, you know, I'm definitely open to so many more opportunities and would eventually love to make it out to Chicago even too. That would be, you know, an amazing experience. Absolutely. Or hell, if we ever get the chance to get out there again, because uh, if we ever go out there for the New Jersey Horror Con, um, probably hopefully within the next two years we could do that hell we could just come you know somewhere near your area meet up and then do a podcast like that yeah that would, yeah that, totally that, absolutely that'd be fantastic i could finally i could finally meet you in person yeah because um, you know somebody decided he was going to go to texas to become a fucking wrestler for a week <laughs> i love it how that joke is it, it still hasn't died no nope. the oh uh, my the uh it's been like two years but no what, it's whatever been a year oh no they, holy uh, shit it has been yeah two almost years. Two, almost two years but okay you know it, it's uh yeah i'm gonna say one thing a little bit piggy back off it and then i'm going to go to the question of the podcast because i do have one um is um there's a great documentary on shutter um in search of darkness um all about 80s horror if you have not had the opportunity to see it see it oh it's, man it's fucking dope i watch it jesus the um uh, <laughs> when i have another four hours to give um uh, the uh, so <laughs> brandon's like no excuses um uh, but uh but there was one quote that i loved which was you know back in the 80s People, you know, people weren't trying to to do remakes. They weren't trying to, you know, be successful. The goal was to 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 outdo each other and to, you know, have a little bit of competition yep. and, and also to outdo ourselves, you know, and see what, you know, how we can push it. And it's pretty cool. You are the embodiment of that. You're always pushing to go in different directions and and push that. So I wish more <coughs> artists would be willing to do that rather than just, you know, um, uh, you know, just do whatever I guess is popular. The, um, We're gonna uh, remake Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the how many of time, Brandon? Hmm. Oh. Remakes or sequels? Yes. Uh. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> the um, 
uh, the uh, Brandon can explain the whole timeline. Uh, we'll make a separate video. Um, I think, I'm serious. He, I got a, like a like a, a dry erase board. He explained the whole timeline. It was it was. He looked like Charlie Day when he had all the <laughs> all the things. <laughs> it was. He, he looked about as crazy as Brandon can look. Um, oh, uh, but that being said, I do have a question in the podcast to end it out. Um, uh, and Rob, as in tradition, um, I'm going to give it to you first. But because you are the guest, you have an option to pass, and you know we can always go around from you. Um, what is a horror score that you feel is very underrated and not enough people talk about it mm. life force okay why life force because that that showed a much darker side of henry mancini it just showed i mean i know he's done some horror material of the past for many films but that particular film is a unique animal a unique hybrid of sci-fi and vampires and futuristic dystopian nightmare and a very underrated movie in general with a score that just, you know, gives me the chills when I've watched it. And yeah, it's just, it's just one of those movies that like you couldn't reboot and you couldn't do a sequel for it just is its own unique animal that, you know, unfortunately slipped under the radar for many people over the years and was critically panned, but it works really well and holds up much more than a lot of films that have come and gone in the last 40 years. Nice. Nice. Zach. So I'm going to cheat. I'm not going to choose a movie. I'm going to choose a game, and it's the uh, score for the first Darkness game. It's very, it's a horror action game, but it's one of those scores that I, it's one that I listen to quite often. It's very dark, very atmospheric, very epic, and brutal, and it's beautiful all at the same time, and I fucking love it. But that story, that character, and that score is just very underappreciated in my opinion everything surrounding the darkness the comics the games i'm surprised it's not bigger than what it is but i don't know that that's just my personal opinion on things fair enough fair enough nice. brandon brandon was making faces when you gave his pick so he's, he's like so as as soon as you said life force my brain just went i agree 100 <laughs> percent. but because i don't want to just give the same answer twice in a row uh, Mark, the first score that came into my mind when you asked the question was actually Halloween 3. Which is a really good score. <laughs> and was also reused for the Maximum Overdrive trailer. Thank you! Because <laughs> I need to be I need to be reminded about, about Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I, I thought the score for Halloween 3 really encapsula encapsulates the, uh, the vision of the director for that movie of pretty much being witchcraft meets the computer age. I will say I don't like the movie, but it does have a good score. Yes, it does. But that's it. Colin. Pass. Wait. No, no. Go past to you. Go past me? Yeah. Oh, all right, fine, 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 fine. All right. So um, I, this is going to sound weird, um, but uh, the, the one that came to my mind when I was doing this, and people are going to roll their eyes, but I really enjoyed this score. Is it The Conjuring? No. Is no, it no, Scream? No. It is um, it's actually Joe Dante's The Burbs. Um, I, the, um, I, I actually really liked it because it's slightly it's slightly whimsical but it has a really like dark edge it, it, it kind of is it's like it, it's it's like this like almost like happy-go-lucky type of feel to it but it's like you know super dark it feels like 
something that you would hear when walking through the suburbs. Like you're like you're like it's happy here, people are smiling, but there's a bunch of bodies in that person's basement. So like it, it kind of has that like that feel to it. And the, and the one scene that like really exemplifies the score is when Tom Hanks is fighting with um, the guy, Mr. Colflax in the back of the um, the ambulance, and they literally jettison out, and they're fighting with each other, and the, the score elevates. And it's just it, it, it's just something, it's it, it, like the perfect mix of like silliness, whimsicalness, adventure, and, um, and just like that right amount of horror thriller mixed into it. It's kind of like the philosophy that John Williams had about Jaws, which was, I don't want this to just be a, you know, a dark sea hunt. I want to have some adventure into it and some excitement and a little bit of whimsicalness into it. And it was kind of cool how those kind of met together. And also, too, that the movie as a whole is kind of like a bunch of things meeting at one point. You know, you have, you know, kind of like neighborhood drama and then you have, you know, and drama mean like high school drama and like a little bit of comedy and then you know and Corey Feldman's there and it's you know it's kind of a fun thing and and I really enjoyed like the score that was added onto it I think it really gave that good atmosphere to what it was um you know what it was and what it was supposed to be so now Colin I gave you enough time so so I'm not exactly sure if it's underappreciated but it's one of my personal favorites is uh the theme to Saw um i will agree I, I, it's just something that every time i see the movie especially the first one as soon as you get the reveal spoilers uh that tobin bell was in the room the whole time and he got that that just charlie clauser theme it just gets me every time and i and i just have it on my playlist that i play sometimes and it's I think that first iteration in the first movie is just so epic. It's so awesome to listen to. Yeah, I will say the first, in my opinion, I love the whole franchise, but I think the first two movies were the best of this, the whole thing. Absolutely. I think the first one was the most effective, and it was a strong sequel. I think Saw 2 was a phenomenal sequel. I saw it in the theaters when it came out, and I, I thought I was blown away. But... You know, they, they didn't all get worse. I mean, there were some strong moments and some weak moments in the later sequels from Saw 3 all the way through 2017's Jigsaw. But uh, I do think they were not the same as the first two because by that time, let's be real, we were all watching them strictly for the traps and not so yep. much for the story. Yeah. But uh, with that being said, and I haven't seen it, but I would love to see Spiral to see what they did with that plot and how they went forward. Same. It, it looks like they're taking that one in a much more serious direction, and I'm not sure how much uh, the traps really play into it, but it looks mm. good, and I mean, hell, if I just get to see Samuel Jackson scream motherfucker as he's dying, then <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, that's a win for me. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 that's, that's, I would just pay just to go into a movie theater and see all the compilations of the different motherfuckers throughout time in, on a big yeah. screen. I would just pay the ticket price for that. But you know what, though? And actually, Colin, it was kind of funny. Like, I wanted to say this. as like The more I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about specifically that last scene and that last fucking line the um when he shuts the door game over, a, a, a game game over. over. and like and that that score just fucking just works it's so much yeah. i got i got goosebumps thinking about it because it's just it, it just that last build up on that note and then the shut the, the sliding door it fucking yeah. works you're right you're 100 percent right Colin. the um so so yeah so that being said zach you want to close this out no oh <laughs> <laughs> 
I used to like them. I don't really like them anymore. Wait, I'll, you know what? That's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll close out. Thank you so much, everybody, for checking out uh, this Nightmares podcast. Oh, by the way, this is really important. I'm going to cut it to Rob so Rob can tell everybody where to find um, him. All right. Visit my website at cucurbitophobia.com. That's C-U-C-U-R-B-I-T-O-phobia. Cucurbitophobia.com. You could find my uh, my CDs, my vinyls, my access to my digital streaming uh, links for all of my albums. And uh, you could find more about me and uh, more about my past and present work. And you could also find me on Twitter and uh, you could also find me on all the streaming platforms and social media platforms. Um, and you could also join my mailing list by sending an email to cucurbitophobia at gmail.com or just by visiting my website and hitting up the form. Um, other than that, um, I look forward to uh, hearing you check out my newest work, Nexus Insidious, if you're interested in an atmospheric metal journey into a 17-minute mindfuck. Get it on vinyl. Wow, what a tagline. The um, uh, and Now I'm going to feel inferior to going into ours. Um, uh, thank you again so much. <laughs> thank you again so much for uh, for checking out the Nightmares podcast. Um, if you are on YouTube, if you could be so kind to stab that like button, smash that subscribe, and click that little dingy bell to be notified every time we drop amazing content right here on MHN, just like this interview. And also, please check out Living Nightmares episode 4, where you can hear Rob's awesome, awesome awesome score and of course check us out on all available social medias you can find us on facebook instagram um not twitter um and you can also find us on slasher thank you so much and um and like i said thank you so much for checking out this nightmares podcast and we will see you next time on the nightmares podcast bye guys